The Yuletide TV podcast is hosted by three college friends trying to find the best Christmas TV episodes ever made. That quest can, at times, be frustrating, which is a nice way of saying that this show contains explicit content. We know that might get us placed on the naughty list, but better us than you. I do have some big news. Oh, it's going to cost you a little money, 20000 something like that. The courts have agreed to let your father out of prison. This is a lawyer, the master. For the entire afternoon. What, what do you mean afternoon? What afternoon? Day before Christmas. In time for the Living Classics pageant, because I know how important that is to all of you. Welcome to the Yuletide TV podcast, where we rate and review Christmas episodes of television. I'm Brian. Typically, I co-host this podcast, but I'm back in the driver's seat, baby. John, where do you want to go, bud? We, can, we can't be off the rails the whole podcast if we don't start in the beginning. This episode of TV reminded me of Best in Show, so I want to talk about Best in Show. <laughs> what about Best in Show do you it's want just, to talk about? It's just really funny. It's a really funny movie, and <laughs> I, kind of <laughs> I think it has really good performances. I think more people should right. watch Best in Show. Okay, what's your favorite part of Best in Show? This just became a Best in Show podcast. Oh, man, now I'm like really on the spot for a movie I haven't seen in six years that I just vaguely remembered while watching an episode of TV. I do just, I do think just every Talking Head bit and every Fred Warner bit is like a 15 out of 10. That's like, that is a show. You mean Fred Willard? Fred Will, yeah, Fred Warner. Yeah, Fred Willard. Fred Warner, the yeah. football player. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that happened 10 years after Best in Show. Uh, yeah. yeah. Fred Willard just fucking owns in that movie, man. Fred Willard's incredible in everything. So does so does our a guy we will give glowing reviews of in this episode of Yuletide TV podcast. Oh, are you talking about John Michael Higgis? I am talking about John Michael Higgis, and that's why it fucking reminded right. me of Best in Show because that guy fucking owns, man. He, he owns, is an underrated treasure. Owns of so much, made me laugh the He's whole time. Great. The man's a pro. He is just a pro. He's a master of his craft. He is timing and his characters down to exactly what they need to be. George Michael Bluth said it the best, or not even George Michael, just George Bluth. Just man's a pro, is a pro. Well, I mean, he was saying about he was talking about Zuckerhorn on that one. No, no, no. He was talking about Higgis. What? Whenever Higgis would go hide. What? Whenever Higgis would go hide, he would say, "Oh yeah, yeah. the man's a pro." Yeah. Come on, Brian. Gotcha. Yep. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I thought we were talking I about should, it. We'll get to that. We've we've made it a very important tenet of this podcast that I never know we more should. than you two. <laughs> I'm incapable of it. Fair enough. Chris, how are you doing tonight? How is riding shotgun and uh, being able to enjoy the scenery of the, you know, road trip around you? You know, not great. Having a lot of regrets right now. A lot of regrets. <laughs> uh, <laughs> lot of lot of lot of second guessing going on in my brain at the at, at this point in time. If this is anti best in show rhetoric, I'm a I'm gonna throw some hands for sure. Well, it's not it's not anti best in show. It's just like hey, Sounds this is the, this is this, yeah. this is this is the first episode of our new season. We could welcome some listeners back if they haven't been listening along with us through our bonus episodes. We could say how excited we are about the fact that we're starting a new season and we're shaking things up a little bit. But, you know, if you guys want to talk about Best in Show, I'm I'm just going to sit here and, and listen, I guess. 
this anti-Besson show rhetoric <laughs> leads me to believe you didn't watch it. You didn't wear a mask while watching Arrested Development earlier either. And that's just not safe, Chris. <laughs> it's, but it's, we're wearing it's reckless. Your, your, your leaps in logic are more <laughs> reckless than me not wearing a mask while watching Arrested Development Fair enough. in the comfort of my own home. Listen, guys, this season isn't about the town. Now it's about Best in Show. Season two is about best in show. <laughs> we've pet, we've pivoted. Yeah, we've picked a new genre, new movie, yeah. best in show. You know, you know what I like about that? Less problematic. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I don't have that. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna knock on wood here that I'm not gonna have to backtrack on on who I do bits about like I did last year <laughs> because good call, good call, please, good call. Please. Although, if we if we didn't want to backtrack, this was not the episode to start with. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, Chris, I'm going to take your suggestion. Welcome back to the Yuletide TV podcast for season two. We appreciate uh, you for listening in with us over the summer, and we hope you're ready and rearing to go for the winter season again to get in Christmas cheer in November. But I do, I do have some bad news, guys. And what's that, Brian? As you both remember, the last episode I hosted, I was a U.S. Deputy Marshal at the time, and I deputized you both. Turns out, I wasn't allowed to do that, and I got fired. Oh. So, you know, it's just been really hard with COVID and unemployment, but I'm confident we'll all get through this, and this will be a great first episode of the second season. So without further ado, pull out your guns from last time, and uh, let's get going. All right, I get to keep the gun. You get to keep the gun. That's oh, it. we get to keep that the was, gun. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna let them take that away from me. I mean, Chris, Christmas come has on. come early. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, tonight we are going to be talking about Arrested Development. It was my first pick of the draft last episode. We're doing a draft this year. This week is focused around sitcoms, and I got to pick Arrested Development because uh, that's a show that I have fond memories of. And I thought that this episode had good family dynamic while remaining very Christmassy. And I will not say anything to skew the viewer listeners idea of this show. We'll just get into it. How's that sound? Yeah, I mean, we won't skew how they view this episode until you summarize it and we start raking it through the mud. Yeah, exactly that. Okay, so good news is this plot is simpler than the plot of Justified that we did over the summer. The show starts with the Blues family having a meeting with their family lawyer about the incarceration of the father figure, the head of the family. The lawyer, Barry Zuckerhorn, informs the Blues family that he's getting George Sr. out of jail for the afternoon, for the community pageant, which is a thing. It's live recreations of classic Renaissance photos. And by photos, I mean, you know, paintings. <laughs> keep keep going keep going don't where am i i lost it my wife walked in put on a fanny pack at nine o'clock at night for god knows why and i looked over anyway uh george senior typically plays a monumental role as god in the creation of adam michael finds this unacceptable and does not believe zuckerhorn is a competent lawyer even though he's played by henry winkler and wants him gone because he wants his dad out of jail faster. Michael will also not pay for his father's temporary release from prison. So he sets off to hire a new, very professional lawyer, Wayne Jarvis. 
in meeting with Jarvis, it becomes very clear he's a good lawyer who doesn't mess around and take things very literally. Michael and his sister Lindsay have also been friendly for the first time in a while. Their mother Lucille does not like that her children get along because it typically means they gang up on her. Lucille makes up a story about how Michael was talking behind Lindsay's back. Lindsay gets mad, confronts Michael. The two immediately deduce that it was their mother pitting them against each other and spend the night drinking. Whilst drinking, Michael agrees to help Lindsay out with her credit card. Jesus, the summary's tough. The next day, Lucille sees an opportunity and lies to Michael about how Lindsay's manipulating Michael into giving her money. Michael gets mad and confronts Lindsay. The two figure out who's behind it and hatch a scheme to get back at their mother. The mother is going to be taking the lawyer to the pageant and decide to get their father out of jail for the afternoon so he can see his wife with a mother man. Very, very mean. Throughout all this, the youngest of the four blue siblings decides he doesn't want to play Adam in the pageant and hands his role off to George Michael, Michael's son. George Michael tries to take tries on the bodysuit to play Adam, gets the attention of the cousin, maybe, who he may or may not have a crush on. Maybe thinks George Michael actually has tone muscle instead of being an awkward indoor kid, which turns out to be a lie. At the pageant, Michael and Lindsay find out Lucille's with Wayne Higgins, not Zuckerhorn, who hides behind a small trash can. George Michael sees the genitalia associated with his Adam costume and decides to wear jean cutoffs instead, much to the displeasure of everyone but Tobias. And George Sr. attempts to escape police custody. And in the end, the family is still in Arrested Development. Fuck, we got through it, boys. Proud of you. Yeah. Now you see how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get this down. I'm going to get this down. This is this is the reason we did three test episodes that nobody ever heard <laughs> before we actually started Thank doing the podcast you. last year. God. I'm going to get this down by the time I do Ally McBeal, I swear. I'm going to have to get this down before Allie McBeal. Otherwise, we are fucked. I can't stress enough that I hosted Cowboy Bebop and Nightmare Before Christmas. And I'm still alive. <laughs> I made it through those summaries. <laughs> I think those are shorter. You, you just have to accept... No, Cowboy Bebop is about 17 minutes of me summarizing. Uh... <laughs> So you just have to accept you're not you'll never be as good as Chris at this and it's fine. No, absolutely not. You know what else isn't as good as Chris at this? Uh it is what? Arrested Development 20 years later because the show did not age well. Did not age well at all. And I hope the listeners uh we were able to pick out how uh I talked really nothing about Christmas. Christmas is li- <laughs> Christmas is a uh, a background song to this episode quite literally and it was very disappointing yeah it was... yeah it's it it is very christmas light and i think that's kind of part of the joke of the episode especially when you open on lucille's apartment and the decorations consist of like one strand of garland and like one poinsettia plant well not to mention her house uh keeper wearing a halloween sweater which i pointed out immediately there are some bits that i do think are funny like the two martas i think the bit where he's like god if i have to smell one more dish of fish rice and mangoes from marta and like the housekeepers just there like looking at him like fuck you man (laughs) she just turns around immediately yeah like i like those there's like three good jokes in arrested development that like hold up or like held up really well but the rest are just like nothing developed like no joke had time to bloom because they're just like 
It felt like when I was in college and doing shitty YouTube sketches. And, like, we didn't know how to do, like, pacing or brick or anything like that. So, like, we just did punchlines. <laughs> and we just kept doing punchlines. And it's like, five of these will stick over two minutes, right? I think sure. so. You just throw it against the wall, man. <laughs> yeah, and that's, throw like... Throw it against the wall. It just feels like, in modern TV, because we are better at it, like, TV's, like, longer, and, like, jokes get time to bloom. So, I think a lot of it... A lot of it has to do that, like, Arrested Development is much better as a binge watch, probably, hopefully, because that's how we remember it. We remember these broad strokes of these long-time jokes, and uh, we just got a little snippet of that, and we only got smaller snippets of the better stuff that kind of blooms over time with the whole season. Yeah, I think you really see in this episode how, like, kind of serialized this this show was because it does not do well on a single episode drop in like Mm -mm. you can watch it from the beginning and watch it sequentially or you can watch it in like you know big binge chunks like you were saying but just taking an episode on its own it it doesn't work that well no it doesn't because you don't get enough time with everybody i mean it's 22 minutes and john michael higgins was the best character of the show and he only gets maybe three minutes of screen time and probably a page and a half to two pages of lines most of them are whisper to someone right and then, i shall hide in something and he's I think- <laughs> so good i would watch a spinoff about him hiding in plants <laughs> oh it'd be great it'd be just- great i love no no no. i watch a whole spinoff of him just being in a room somebody enters and going i'm legally obligated to tell you there's no candy in here (laughs) (laughs) like i just felt like he stole the two scenes he was in and you know henry winkler was not stealing scenes by any means oh jokes that didn't hold up dude i i don't even think the jokes are that problematic from winkler i just think like that's like a problematic word but they also point out that it's problematic to use epithets for gay people like even in the episode because it's like like what was like 10 years ago he got sued for for saying for saying a naughty word and then like the joke was that like he immediately already said it like in this episode and like the other lawyer was like that'll be the last time he calls those people blank and then he's just like doing yeah just yeah just doing it so one of the things is you know after you picked this i was like i was thinking about this show and you know in the years since it kind of was a phenomenon like on a on a cult level it you know a lot of these people like jeffrey tambor um you know david cross will arnett all to certain degrees have kind of had their reputations just diminished i think uh in hollywood and you know when henry winkler comes in at the beginning of this episode i literally wrote down as blemished as this show has become, Henry Winkler is still perfection. And then two seconds later, he drops a slang <laughs> term for gay people. And I'm like, uh, damn it. God damn it. <laughs> Can't even have that. I think that joke at the end of the day was pretty well done. And they were like, it was at the expense of the bigoted person. Yeah. Which is like what you want. It's exactly what you want. But at the same time, like, it's an interesting time. It's just like. A little jarring like it's certainly yeah to your point brian like it is a a a time capsule where like that language was still acceptable but hearing it i was like 
oh yeah, I guess people did used to say that kind of casually. And I was like, at least most of the people I hang out around now don't. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that's nice. Right. Yeah, you're right. Like, we don't, like, use that, but I think that was, like... I think the point... I think they're trying to establish incompetence. I'm not going to defend saying a bad word, but... Oh, yeah, no, I don't... I, I think, <laughs> this is, like, far we're... less egregious than some of the shit that used to get by on TV. Oh, yeah. Like, this is downright progressive. <laughs> like, even by... <laughs> even by its cohort. You heard it here first, folks. Well, like, they even have his character be gay. Or, like, closeted gay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like... That's, like, the point is that he's, like, uh, he's, like, sexist because he's a closeted gay man. Right. And, uh, you know, this could lead into a greater conversation about making fun of bigoted people but still having them do things that are insensitive. Uh, I know 30 Rock came under the fire for that and they pulled some episodes. Like, there's a lot of TV that's had episodes pulled recently because of uh, trying to do that. And it's just not accepted anymore. And it's weird to go back to the time capsule. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's the difference between a modern Tarantino movie and a Tarantino movie from, like, the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, yes, yes, you are correct. Like, bad people that are, that are like, like, bad people are often bigoted. But, like, maybe we don't need to be hammered over the head with it so hard. But it's right. It, I don't know. It is. It is a little bit of a little bit of an off-color joke for certain. Switching things up, I think the second sleeper uh, comedian in this show, though, if we're going to talk about high points instead of just these kind of like weird lower points, David Cross was awesome, and not for the reasons regarding the never nude status and the fact that we got to the line of there are dozens of us, which is uh, iconic dozens. to a number of people. I think the better line was when he came out of that dressing room to have the speedos on over the cutoff sh- shorts, and asking, "Do these effectively hide my thunder?" <laughs> well, see, I I much prefer the uh, doctor coming in saying, "You can undress completely," and he says, "I am." I am. <laughs> I I did really enjoy the the his like last scene with George Michael too, where it's like, "You took off the muscle suit," like, "Well, yes." And then he like tenderly touches them on the shoulder. You have made such progress today. I thought that was <laughs> well. Those two very... do such a good job at being so awkward with other people because before he gen- like gently touches them, he, like he tries to do a couple different. Like he reaches for the face, but he doesn't like commit, <laughs> and then he, like kind of goes for almost like a fist bump, and then just ends up gently patting him on the shoulder. And it just seems so natural. They're both so good at it. Yeah, there. I mean, F, my takeaway from this episode was like David Cross was probably trying the hardest in this episode, or in, I think maybe on the show in general. Like he was committing yeah. to making this funny, and it was going to be funny come hell or high water. I think him and Will Arnett yeah. are trying the hardest. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone else. <laughs> I there's I had a few audible guffaws at it over its twenty two minutes and seventeen thousand jokes within those twenty two minutes. <laughs> But I really, I really truly love the, oh, uh, English. It's like grade school Spanish. I enjoyed the the one-two punch, because my kind of stealth MVP for this episode is maybe. And I like the one-two punch of her and Job 
mistaking the fact that Portugal is in South America, <laughs> thinking it's in South America. I forgot that a big part of Maybe's character is that she's an idiot, and I love that. Well, makes... and also that she is just blatantly ignored by everyone. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that played a lot funnier to me, and I noticed it a lot more. I also was, re- like, again, just noting that this episode, I think, was 2003, 2004, like, and she was so young. Like, she, the her first line, I was, like, taken aback by the sound of her voice because it's, like, really high-pitched, and I think, like, it's kind of leveled out a little more as, she, as she's grown up and it's like, well, like, yeah, you were a kid in this. That reminds me, I need to watch search party on HBO max. Now <laughs> you getting paid for that. Are we, getting, are we getting paid for HBO max? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, we're not. Can we be? We've, t- we've talked about this, Brian, <laughs> unless we're getting paid or we're covering it in a future episode. Oh, by the way, Chris, you were right. This came out in 2003. I have lots of other fun facts about this episode, like the fact it was directed by Joe Russo of Russo Brothers fame. From Avengers Infinity War and Endgame? And Captain America, Civil War, and Winter Soldier. It is always so much fun to see the Russo's name pop up on episodes of Arrested Development and Community. And Happy Endings. And Happy Endings, that's right. You know, this episode also aired before uh, the other chronologically developed episode, which was when Buster and Lucille 2 started dating. Yeah, what? read the Wikipedia page for season one of Arrested Development and look at the episode order versus the episode air date, and you're like, wow, what was Fox doing? <laughs> well, Fox never really had that down. I mean... As a Firefly fan, I can yeah, tell you. I was, right I was now. like, "Are we gonna are we gonna start talking about Firefly?" Because we can talk about Firefly, bro. I mean, we can talk about Firefly, no problem. They don't really compare because the lead in Firefly has some charisma, and the lead in Arrested Development doesn't. Fuck. Ozark. Do you not like Jason Bateman? I don't really think Jason Bateman's that good. <laughs> I don't find in anything or in just this. I'm sure there's something I can find that I like him in, but he's. I just find him capable of playing one character because he's relatively... Un- he can play this He can play this character because he's just... You never feel sympathy for Jason Bateman. Like, you already feel like he's getting too much out of his life. Where it's just like, why is this five... Why is this five foot six average not funny man getting paid a good Is that the fact dollars? you pulled from the internet for this episode? <laughs> no, I just assume he's Jason five, Bateman's six, height... But... He just looks 5'6 to me. I don't know. <laughs> I, I was going to say, Jason Burt Bateman, much like Justin Long, as we've discussed and accepted, I, I think he serves a purpose, and he can serve it well. But, you know, your point about not having any sympathy to any character he ever plays, I think is really well said, because I was thinking about you said that, and I'm like, damn, you're right. <laughs> as much as I do like Jason Bateman, I don't think I've ever felt sympathy. Jason Bateman's interesting also because to tie this back into Christmas, there's a movie called Office Christmas Party. Have you guys ever seen that movie? I have. No, cause it's got T.J. Miller in it, though. Yeah, more problematic things. Yeah, but that plenty of reason has... to not watch it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not suggesting anyone watch it, but it's such a weird movie where it has so many talented, like, seemingly talented people in it let's say because it has it has jason jennifer Bateman, aniston olivia munn 
yeah, Jennifer Aniston, um, Kate McKinnon, Vanessa Bear, uh, Randall Park, I think, is in it for a little bit. Like, pretty funny people. And that movie is just so not funny. And it's just amazing that you put all these talented, funny people and you can't produce a movie with more laughs. Well, it comes down to the script and director. You know, you can't just put funny people in the room and say, go nuts. You can, though. <laughs> you can a lot of the time. You can. A lot, a lot of movies do do that. <laughs> yeah, but here's what I, I mean. I haven't seen Office Christmas Party, but what I'm guessing is that there was a script they were trying to keep to, and then they were putting all these funny people in, uh, into it, and then there was a clash between those two things. Whereas if you look at Wet Hot American Summer and says, all right, we're going to put a bunch of funny people together with a loose structure, that's where the magic's going to happen. Well, yeah, and I think, I think yeah, I don't, I don't know that I'm totally in alignment with what you're saying, but I think, yeah, it's more or less that I think they had a script. They're like, here's the script, and they hoped all these funny people could elevate what was not a great script, and that didn't happen. Didn't Office Christmas Party come out at, like, the same time as the other Office Christmas Party movie thing? The, like, Seth Rogen one? What is that one? Oh, Night Before? Oh. Yeah, like, wasn't that, like, the same general no time. those were years apart i think yeah those alternating years um one was there the before the other but they the came same, out separate years they're the same movie they're the same year i hold they're the same movie oh they uh, are well. they are not <laughs> as someone who has seen both of them they are not and but they're also both they're not they're not they're neither of them are that good no they're not funny <laughs> again talented people not not great movies. Sorry, we're, we're so far off the Arrested Development chain. We just went down this Jason Bateman rabbit hole here. I'm glad I got that off my chest. Come for me, Internet. Well, I'd like to throw... I'd like to tie the Jason Bateman thing up in a nice little bow and tell John that he is 5'11". <laughs> Whatever. If you're under six foot tall, you're 5'6". You're no, I'm just saying. You're close. <laughs> wow. I'm, I mean, I'm not, I'm not... I'm not coming down on you, man. So you mean he's 5'9". Whatever. <laughs> get off Tinder. Yeah. What the fuck you doing? <laughs> Whatever, dude. Why are you caring about men's height so much? Because <laughs> it's important. It's important to make me feel better about myself. <laughs> I think it's worth noting this episode is tough too because it already feels like there's a decent amount going on, and then there are two brothers that I completely left out of the summary. Yep. And didn't really impact anything. Yeah, I, I mean, again, we've to bring it back to our first season, you know, one of the things I like to talk about with what makes a good Christmas episode is accessibility. And again, I just don't think that if you are someone who doesn't know anything about Arrested Development, you could not come into this episode and probably even enjoy the humor because you're not familiar with the cadence and the tone of the show. So this would, I think, be a pretty... This this is a pretty low low on the on the list of of Christmas things that we've covered. Well, I mean, not to mention too, it's not until you go back to it, at least at the end when they're in the police precinct waiting for you know Dad to get out, that they go and then you hear Christmas music happening in the background, and they're like, oh yeah, it's a Christmas episode. They actually use Christmas music through throughout the episode. Oh really? Yeah. I- I I didn't notice it until the very end when they were starting to wrap things up. No, I did, and kind of, but kind of for the same reason you just said is like it's it's weird that they keep 
using this and i kept thinking like okay is there some like allegorical thing i'm missing here like they're you know they have this kind of like um you know christian inspired art piece that they're doing there's stuff about fathers and sons it's christmas am i missing some kind of tie-in to christmas in a loose analogous way and i just could not find it i mean especially for a show that's known for being so meta and having so many tiny jokes to go back and look for, it, it, it was hard not seeing a greater connection. Kind of like, just going back to what you were saying. You know what is interesting about this episode, though, that I looked up? The Living Portraits event uh, that's kind of at this focal point of this episode is actually based off a real event. Huh. Does it happen on Christmas? Because it's the ultimate Orange County white people-ass thing that I could imagine for Christmas. It is called Pageants of the Masters. It happens in Laguna Beach, and uh, it is canceled this year, as everything is, uh, because Rightly of so. because of COVID. But yeah, it's I mean it's exactly what it is. I mean exactly as they set it up. People recreate pieces of artwork with live people and lighting and stages and orchestral music and people just go and hang out and watch that i guess well that just sounds fucking awful that sounds truly truly terrible yeah i would really just rather walk off walk into the ocean in laguna beach i would rather go to laguna beach and watch the hills i'd rather watch the room again i'd rather watch a room double feature (laughs) the room followed by the disaster artist yeah, but those are good. Those are like that was harsh. Enjoyable. That was a little harsh on the disaster artist. Yeah, well, no, the disaster. I mean, the disaster artist is what it is. But like, the room is brilliant. Fight me. <laughs> like, I'll watch. I'll watch the room for free. But if we were to do a classic film or painting reenactment, which painting would we be? Ooh, you have. We all get. That's a we all push. get one Google here to find one. Ooh, I like this one. What's What's the title of it? This one is called Charles the First in Three Positions. <laughs> Ooh, I like I, this is. And I think it's the same. Good, good, it's good. it's the same guy, but he's kind of like it's almost like he's having a conversation with himself by the way he's grouped around it, and that's oh. us three white guys yeah. with similar opinions. <laughs> yeah, this is for sure us. It would be like Chris. Chris is far right because he's happier. Brian's in the middle, and I'm the one that looks a little grouchy on the left. Yeah, that's it. What's it called again? That's the right answer. Uh, it's Charles called... the first in three positions. We'll we'll post it on the social media so you guys can see it. Oh yeah, that's a good that's a good find. You want to know how I found that? Please. Google Google searched three men painting. Yeah, I did painting. Of th- I did painting of three men, and I did not yeah. get really strong results. I just did Renaissance portrait. <laughs> my answer was gonna be mona lisa because i'm an overrated piece of shit <laughs> oh <laughs> Brian, what, little confidence. where did where did you steal that joke from oh pop star there we go that's yeah pop star yeah. that's a great song god also pop star pop star is also the town we're watching best in show and pop star this year boys make it through this <laughs> put it in the patreon better listen to this podcast to get to the bonus episodes because we'll do those just because I want to watch them. And uh, I am legally obligated to tell everybody you do not have to listen to all the episodes just to get to the bonus episodes. Have the bonus episodes ruined this podcast? Because <laughs> now we're just going to be looking for <laughs> bonus episodes the entire season. 
kind of. <laughs> I think kind of. it's no. He's trying to be meta, do, Chris. Do you know what actually the bonus episodes did happen and like or mess with me in per, like relation to the main part of the show was like I didn't even think about the Christmasness of this episode. I just started like oh. watching it and like like looking to be mad at it. Like I didn't even go like, <laughs> is this a Christmas episode? And then like when we were texting and you're like, this isn't a Christmas episode. I was like, he's right. We are supposed to talk about Christmas. <laughs> I like this idea of John getting ready to watch whatever we're watching for the podcast. And he just sits down with a frown on his face and somebody walks by. Hey, John, what are you doing? <laughs> Angrily watching this. Why? Because my friends told me to. Because <laughs> <laughs> I have to hang out with my friends later and do something I like doing. <laughs> <laughs> o- okay, I'm going to make nachos. Do you want any? <laughs> Too many carbs. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's get down to the brass tacks of what this podcast is all about. God, I love the brass tacks. Boys, would you rate this episode a Christmas classic, a pair of socks, or a lump of coal? Chris, why don't you start? Oh, boy. Put me on the spot here. And uh, I hate to start on a downer, but I think I, think I got to go lump of coal on this. I think as a episode of television it's a pair of socks it's fine i think probably in the grand scheme of the first season of arrested development it's probably pretty good but you know i was re-listening to some of our season one episodes recently uh to prepare and you know we gotta we gotta stay true to the heart of the podcast as much as john may have forgotten about it due to our bonus episode run. It's about finding the best Christmas episodes that are out there. And this just does not even come close to making the cut. It has zero Christmas feels. Even at the end, when you have this sibling conflict between uh, Michael and his sister, it it doesn't get resolved in a positive way. So you're, you're just left with nothing. So I think, unfortunately, lump of coal to start out the season. Uh, John, what do you got? I mean, I really wanted to sax this, but new season, new spice, we're lump of coal in it. You can put this episode in a box, send it to Portugal, South America, because it <laughs> doesn't do it for me. That's right. That's two references to this show. It's a double. I, I have to agree with both of you boys. I think this episode's a pair of socks, and I also think that on the whole this episode is a good reason as to why the fourth and fifth seasons of arrested development failed it just uh, it just it just didn't hit it just didn't connect on a couple different levels and that's what they focused on with later seasons and it's not good and uh it's a lump of coal for a christmas episode you know that was the crazy thing when i started watching this i started when you when you name this in our draft episode i started thinking i was like i don't think i have watched an episode of arrested development since i watched season four when it premiered on netflix back in 2013 that was uh 2013 yeah Yeah. so i i think it's been seven years since i've watched an episode of arrested development and to your point i and like it used to be a show i would re-watch you know fairly it's a show I fell in love with in college, and then, yeah, just kind of soured on it. I was I was so excited for that season. Like, that was like when I that came out when I was living in in Milwaukee, and I was living with like 
a couple other people who also really really loved Arrested Development. We did a group Christmas or group Halloween costume for it, and then I just it was it was like one of the saddest days of that part of my life. My dad died that year, and I was like equally as bummed that like season four was just hot garbage it was so bad the night before that fourth season dropped i got really drunk with my family and then the next day we were all painfully hung over trying to stay up as late as we could because we didn't know when it was going to drop on netflix and it's like we got to stay up we got to stay up we got to watch this and uh we ended up watching it the next day and just thinking like this is dog shit <laughs> It's like not even close. It's just what happened. It's just it's just a zero. Well, I mean, the, you guys you guys do know what happened there, right? Which is that they couldn't film them all together. They like filmed everyone's pieces separately, yeah, yeah. and that's why the chemistry is not good or the episodes are cohesive. <laughs> I forgot about that. It's so bad. It's just it, it it's not so bad that you think this ruined the show and I'm never going to be able to like let this go again. It's it's just bad in that you forget about it and then you forget about the show as a whole. Like you think that Titanic got hit by an iceberg so some people are going to fall in the water, but no, the whole ship went down. It it did some damage to my enjoyment of the show in in general. I don't like I don't even think the show relies on chemistry that like ensemble that much. Because, like, this is, like, a watchable episode if this was Christmas independent and, like, you didn't have, like, a vendetta against Christmas. Like, there's, like, some funny performances like we talked about. Like, like Higgins, like, the lawyer is legitimately funny. Winkler's legitimately funny. Will Arnett's very funny. Like, Maybe's performance is funny. But it's just, like, not a... Like, they don't rely on, like, anyone's chemistry. They're just, like, I'm gonna hit this line so hard that someone will be able to quote it later. It's like how everything was funny in the two, in the 2010s. That's like, like Anchorman's probably not funny, but it has really good lines. I'd say Anchorman is funny. Anchorman 2 is not funny, but it probably has some good lines. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I, yeah. I'm willing to accept that. Very diplomatic of us. Yeah. Well, that's probably the least entertaining way for a podcast to go. Want to yell at each other? <laughs> <laughs> Well, we would, but we got to wrap up. We should wrap yeah, up. we should wrap so, up. So we're going to relieve the reins from Brian's hands, and we're going to pass them oh, pass them off to John. John, what are we watching two days from now? Oh, we're watching Married with Children. We're watching the one yes. just called Christmas. Which is actually kind of like, a sim- it has a similar through plot to this episode. Oh. So, Yeah. I just kind of realized that, but yeah, we're watching Married with Children. Want to watch some Al Bundy and some Peggy? Oh yeah! I watched this show infinity times as a child because it's <laughs> and it's. I made sure to rewatch it because I was a little worried it wasn't funny, but it was still funny. Don't worry, babies. Get out there and get on your Hulu. Yo, and man, that take a that watch. That expectation set high now, man. I mean, it's funny. It's it's funny in the way I find things funny, but I found it still pretty pretty humorous. Well, and as much of a bummer as this episode is, and as much as I did not want to start on, you know, I was hoping we'd start with at least a pair of socks, but the good news is we got nowhere to go but up, so. (laughs) hey Sky's the limit. Married with children, here we come. Let's move on up. That's a show that no one's one's thought about in, oh, 20 years? 
like 20 years. <laughs> You're welcome, everybody. And then if you had fun watching this, you can watch that really weird spinoff that was truly terrible called Divorced with Children. I remember seeing an episode of that and being sad. Is that a real thing? Aww. Yeah. Oh, boy. Pretty, well, pretty I'm sure. I'm going to look that up as soon as we're done recording. I, I, it's actually not called that, but there was maybe it was just like a spinoff episode within the show. Or like a, uh, what's it called? Like where you plant a pilot. and then Backdoor. Backdoor pilot. Back, I think it was a backdoor pilot they didn't pull on, but it's real awkward. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that is coming up in two days. Again, our schedule... It's a little bit different this year. We're doing Monday, Wednesday, Friday from now all the way through Christmas Day. Five weeks of shows. A couple fewer episodes than we did last season, but hopefully somewhat higher quality as we have this podcasting thing down a little bit better. Although, you know, Brian's performance at the beginning of this might have not instilled the confidence you'd have in that statement. But uh, Hey, man, <laughs> he, did, he did his I'll best. take it. You know what? We made it through. Best. We made it through, and we already... We got through, yeah. I mean... We we tackled tricky subject matter, we talked about jokes, and we diverted into tangents, so I think we're back in fine fighting form. We just hit all the tenets of a classic Yuletide TV podcast episode. So we're back, uh, baby! There we go. Yes. Season two. All the tenets of a, of a Yuletide TV podcast. The David, the tangent... The more tangents. I didn't do any communist stuff today, but but let me we got warm time. up first. There's plenty of time, John. Yeah. You can just put a pin in that, and we'll tell you when we think yeah. you should pull that out. <laughs> I don't know what gets edited out. I'm gonna be honest. I just show up. I'm just happy to be here. That's the one power I have that I cherish so much is that I know you guys won't really know what I edit out at the end of the day. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm a I'm a literal goldfish out here. I I just say things and then I put them out there in space and what Chris chooses to pick off the pick off the apple tree is what he chooses. Just the punchlines. Ba bam. Uh <laughs> <laughs> so john it's like your college youtube skits all over again <laughs> absolutely <laughs> except i brick a lot of jokes and they're all not on purpose <laughs> well if you got a lot of bricks you can make a house with that please rate review subscribe <laughs> oh you're gonna do this part after i already took the reins away from you you and... wanted to jump in here <laughs> i you know i i figured hey. i could i could close this out oh okay Everybody well, grab a little yeah. bit of rain. Don't forget to contact us on Gmail at YuletideTVPod at gmail.com. Is that right, Chris? Uh, no, just, just YuletideTV. We didn't have to go with the pod. We got we got just YuletideTV oh, cool. at gmail.com. YuletideTV4 at gmail.com. Not helpful. <laughs> uh, one thing I will mention, too, that we haven't had a chance to yet is that we are... In going on the road. That's right. Live shows. Shouldn't pause. Gotta just keep plowing through with my thoughts. <laughs> we are now listed on christmaspodcast.com. It is a Christmas podcast directory. You'll find us. You'll find other shows we've worked with, like Totally Rad Christmas and Sleigh Bells and Mistletoe Christmas and maybe Christmas Past. I don't know. We've worked with them. Check them out. Uh, but yeah, for all your Christmas fixings with... Uh, podcast uh, you know talking is hard 
check them out. We're listed in there and happy to be a part of that group because there's some awesome people doing some cool things in there. So, And then don't forget to check yeah. out our Instagram and Twitter. At Yuletide TV. Check out our Twitch page at yuletidepod.pod.yule. Well, that being said, I've been Brian. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm John. Chris goes last this time. And I'm Chris. <laughs> hey, we're glad you're still alive. Sleigh Bell Sounds provided by Michael Koenig from soundbible.com and Joy to the World provided by freexmasmp3.com.